steal, and Pass with the chain. And St. John's takes down number three, Villanova. A signature win for Mike Anderson. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And they did it to us again, folks. They absolutely found a new way to just give us hope. To give us hope, really, in a game that they didn't really have any reason to give us hope. They draw us in. They suck us in. And at the end of the day, they break our hearts once again as St. John's falls in overtime, 86-78 to to UConn. The Red Storm really, you know, outplayed uh, down by, you know, a good amount of points for really the entirety of the second half. Feel like they trailed from anywhere from five to or three to ten points, you know, really couldn't ever get over the hump. And, you know, we're hanging in the game. UConn didn't really play very well outside of their big man, Adama Sonogo, who had 26 and 18, which we'll get to in a little bit. But St. John's hanging around in this game never really seemed to go away. And then a late push, uh, mainly powered by Aaron Wheeler, who played maybe his best game at St. John's. And of course, Julian Champagny, who scored 27 points on 10 of 22 shooting. Champagny hits the go-ahead three-pointer with, uh, what was it, 4.4-something seconds left. Uh, But that, obviously, in college basketball is an eternity. St. John's, of course, as St. John's luck will do, uh, is able to tip the ball on the inbounds pass, but it ends up basically ending up like UConn just advanced the ball like you would in the NBA. UConn gets a free timeout out of it. Uh, They miss their uh, initial shot on the final possession of regulation. Sonogo, of course, is there to get the rebound. Um, Aaron Wheeler fouls him. I thought that it was a foul. Of all the horrible calls that went against St. John's uh, in in the second half, really, I thought that that one actually was a foul on uh, on Wheeler. He really made no attempt to even box out there on Sonogo. Uh, Sonogo surprisingly goes one of two from the line instead of just ending our misery right there. But St. John's really just gets crushed in overtime. Um, Again, some questionable officiating in overtime. You had that horrible offensive foul call on Posh Alexander, which was really kind of the nail in the coffin for St. John's. But they fall 86-78. They are now 9-5 on the season, 1-2 in the Big East. It's their second straight uh, road loss in the Big East. And listen, I mean... I'm not playing the moral victory game. I'm sure that no one listening to this, you know, with the expectations that there were coming into the season, wants to hear that. Uh, I will give them credit for fighting back in this game. Like I said, they really did not play well. Uh, when you look at the stats of some of these guys, I mean, Champagny obviously played a really, really nice game, 10 of 22. Like I said, he had the 27 points and the go-ahead shot there at the end. Dylan Adewusu played maybe the worst game and he's a good player Dylan Adewusu I don't I don't feel like I have to clarify that but he is a really good player for them and he's been he's really established himself as in my opinion uh their third best player this season but I've sat through a lot of St. John's basketball over the last decade plus, and Dylan Adewusu maybe tonight played the worst game of basketball that I've seen a St. John's player play 
Uh, he scored six points, had six rebounds, shot two of 12 from the field, uh, had three turnovers, fouled out, and, I mean, how many shots did he have blocked? Probably five shots got blocked. Uh, UConn, in the, as a team, had 14 blocks in this game. St. John seemed uh, in, intent to just keep driving and keep uh, letting them block shots, keep trying to go ISO and keep letting them block shots, and that obviously was not a good game plan. Posh Alexander wasn't much better. He scored. He actually had a double-double, 11 points and 10 rebounds, shot four of uh, 13 from the field. Oh, four from three-point range as his three-point struggles continue. And Montez Mathis, one of five from the field. So when your starting backcourt goes, you know what, seven of of 30 from the field, you're not you're not going to win very, very many games. So I will give them credit for when they got such horrible performances from basically three of their starters in this game uh, to, me, to be able to hang in this game, to stick around. Like I said, UConn really didn't play well to begin with, but to stick around and to be, you know, and a point where there were a few set where they were one defensive stop away from uh, from winning this game. But, you know, as we've seen in the Indiana game, you know, as we saw, I guess if you want to say in the Pittsburgh game, as we saw in the Providence game, St. John's again is presented with an opportunity late in a game to get a win. And again, they fall flat on their face. Now, this one obviously would have been improbable. No one was expecting St. John's to win this game. They were a 12-point underdog in this game. But at the end of the day... You were right there. You had a shot. Make one stop defensively, and you win this game, and you get out of, out of stores with a huge, huge win uh, going forward. Again, another opportunity missed for this team. And, and I think that's where I get frustrated because I see these people saying they have 10 quad one opportunities. They have so many chances to get quad one wins. You know, Villanova, Seton Hall, Xavier, uh Great, you know these these are all going to be good teams that they're playing. UConn, they're going to have so many chances to pick up a quad one win. Yeah, but they haven't done it yet. They haven't shown us that they can close out a game against a team that would be a quad one win. They haven't shown us that they can really close out a game against anyone that's above a you know a, a, a low major NEC type opponent. And this was again a story here, a chance to steal a win. You needed one stop defensively, and you couldn't get it. And then it, once that game went to overtime, again, uh, they didn't have much of a chance. But again, you, you really just got bullied in overtime. Um, Julian Champagne didn't touch the ball nearly enough in overtime. Didn't get nearly enough shots up in overtime. The offense really didn't go through him at, at all uh, in the overtime period. You know, But it was another opportunity for St. John's to pick up a huge, huge quad one win. And again... Like I said, they're not able to execute down the stretch when they needed to most. And again, maybe this one feels different because your expectations going in was that they were going to get kind of run out of the gym. I honestly thought that they were going to get run out of the gym in this game. I watched the first 59 minutes or no, sorry, 39 minutes and, you know, 30 seconds of this game and didn't really react whatsoever until Julian Champagny hits that three, and then I got off my couch and I jumped. Uh, I didn't think that there was really a chance that St. John's could win this game outside of maybe that five-minute stretch uh, after Champagny hit the three and before UConn, before they fouled Sonogo. You know, I, I didn't think that there was much of a chance for St. John's to actually win this game. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I, I'm frustrated for sure. And it's just it's it's another missed opportunity for St. John's. It really is. And, and again, I know that you have a lot of these opportunities, 
And I know that the optimist will say, we played we played hard down the stretch. We're going to pick up a couple of wins. But again, uh, until I see it, I just can't, I can't, you know, I, I their best win right now is against who? DePaul? Monmouth? Until I see them close out a game against a quad one opponent, I'm going to have trouble believing that they're going to get to 11, 12 wins in this conference. You know, because there's a lot of Yukons. There's a lot of, of provinces in this conference. Villanova's really good. Xavier's, I don't need to say it. You guys know it. It's a very good conference. It's going to be really, really tough now. I, I mean, even if you're the most optimistic person in the world, you think we probably need to get to, uh, people say 11. I still think to feel, uh, I said 13 last week, but I'll give you 12. You know, you need 12 conference wins to feel really, really good about making the tournament, about, you know, knowing going into the Big East tournament that you're probably in the NCAA tournament, you know, not needing to do any work whatsoever in the Big East tournament. It's probably 12. You know, you've, you've, you've started one and two now. So you, now you got to go, what, 11 and, and six down the stretch. Two games left against Villanova. Two games left against Seton Hall. Two games left against Xavier. Two games left against Creighton, against Marquette. A game left against UConn, where you know UConn's taking over the garden. Let's be realistic here. Come on, they're going to have a a lot of fans at that game. Tough game against Providence left. Oh, and by the way, you probably have to sweep uh, Georgetown and DePaul. It's just not going to be easy. And like I said, until I see this team do it, I'm just not going to be that confident that they're going to be able to get 11 more wins in this conference. You know, we saw them do it last year, but last year the Big East was 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 way more weak than it was, way weaker than it was this year. And that's a completely different team, obviously. And again, the story tonight was what? Julian Champagny had really no help. Like I said, Aaron Wheeler... Played probably his best game for St. John's. Uh, hit a couple of three-pointers. Hit a couple of clutch shots. Had 13 points. He was their second leading scorer. But, I mean, I mean, look from there. Joel Soriano, again, some silly fouls. Again, got himself into foul trouble. Again, didn't really do much to, to neutralize the other team's big man. Once again, St. John's has now faced four uh, really good big men. Uh, Jackson Davis... Uh, McCormick on Kansas, Watson, and now Sonogo. And not only have all four played well against them, all four have absolutely dominated them. It's not a very good sign for, you know, the future in, in hoping that you're going to be able to, to, to take on some of these these bigs in the Big East. Not to mention what Sonogo did and, and Whaley did on the defensive end. Six blocks for Sonogo, for, for five for Whaley. You know, but look at this box score. Like I mentioned, Wusu, 2 of 12. Posh, 4 of 13. Mathis, 1 of 5. Missed the big front end of a 1-1 one one there uh, in overtime. And then create, uh, had a horrible foul, uh, basically an, inten- an intentional foul on Sonogo there. Stanley didn't play much. He had two points. Steph Smith went 2 of 5 from the field, had six points, but really was, was a non-factor in this game. When 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 Champagny has to do it all by himself, it, it's just not going to work out. And you can say what you want about the transfers, but I, again, the story of this game is just no one was able to help Julian Champagny. Wheeler played well, 
but no one was be able to help Champagne in this game. And like I said, it's it's frustrating. It, it really is because they've had so many opportunities now at these at, at a big quad one win, three now, and all three you've come up short. And all three again, were you expected to win at Indiana? No. Were you expected to win at Providence? No. Same thing here. Were you expected to win? No. But you were in a position to win the game. Hell, even Kansas, you were in that game in the second half, and then you got your doors blown off. Obviously. You know, at some point, they, they just have to figure it out. Figure out how to close out a game. And, and every single game that I see them not able to do so, my confidence goes down a little bit that they're actually going to be able to. So it, it's certainly frustrating. And now it puts you in a position at one and two in the conference. Um, you know, the this, this season's not over. Be, be quiet with that. You have to basically now win. I, I don't want to say that uh, I'm going to have Kevin Connolly in, in, in a second. And uh, we're going to talk about, obviously, this game and going forward. Is Georgetown a must-win now? I, I think it is, right? Look at the schedule after Georgetown. At Creighton, then you play a home-and-home with Seton Hall. Then you go at Villanova, and then you play Providence. If you lose to Georgetown on Sunday, a Sunday at 4.30 game, by the way, which is not going to have a very uh, high attendance, I wouldn't say. If you lose that game and go to one and three, this could spiral out of control quickly for St. John's. And, and I know that maybe, you know, if you're more optimistic and your view of this team is more optimistic, well, first of all, maybe this isn't the, the show for you, but you can say that I'm being negative here and, and, you know, looking too far ahead in terms of the negativity, but we've seen this before. How many times have we seen them start 1-4, 0-11, 1-6? It just happens every year, it feels like. Even last year it happened when they had a good year in the conference. So you've now put yourself in a position where it's mid-January, and in my opinion, you're basically in a must-win game against Georgetown. Because you had two chances, both on the road, two chances in two games where you were right there and you couldn't get it done. And this one stings. And I'll get to the officiating. I'm going to talk about uh, to Kevin Connolly with the officiating as well when he's on. But it was horrible. I mean, to 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 believe that Sonogo, the big man on uh, on UConn, who who killed St. John's by the way, twenty what was it twenty six and eighteen, and he had six blocks as well. Uh, to believe that he somehow committed two fouls. Guy played almost the entire game. Two fouls. Twenty six to thirteen. The fouls were in favor of, of UConn. UConn shot, the free throws weren't too bad. 26 free throws for UConn, 20 for St. John's. But Sonogo committed two fouls in this game. And I think that that was the officials maybe giving him some credit because he was blocking and altering so many shots and UConn as a whole was blocking and altering so many shots. I think that the officials were maybe giving them some credit because to me, and I'm obviously incredibly biased, it felt like the officials were giving UConn foul calls when they ended up on the floor. When there was contact, then the UConn guy ended up on the floor. And then Posh and Wusu and even Champagne, you know, they're driving to the basket, ending up on the floor, and it's a no call. It just didn't feel like it was both ways. The offensive foul on Posh in overtime was, was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my entire life. 
maybe worse than than uh, some of the calls in the Indiana game. And that really turned the game around because that would have tied the game up. UConn got the ball back and went up by four. You know, St. John's didn't lose this game uh, because of the officials. I, you know, I want to clarify that, but the officials didn't do anything to help St. John's. Uh, like I said, I, I did believe that it was a foul on Wheeler there uh, in the final uh, seconds. I did think that was a foul. He's got to do a better job of boxing out, but you know, St. John's has to do a better job in general uh, against these bigs. You know, Sonogo shot 11 free throws. He went 20, 26 and 18 in six blocks. Anytime they needed a basket, he was able to get one. You know, they let UConn shoot 40% from three-point range again. They've got to figure out how to stop these bigs because it seems like every team in the Big East has one that's going to dominate them. And I, I thought Soriano actually played a pretty decent first half, but again, he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. And he is a bit of a liability defensively as well. But Sonogo really dominates St. John's and, uh, you know, it leads to another loss. He was obviously the player of the game for sure for UConn with his uh, with his 26 and 18, like I mentioned. But again, it's a missed opportunity. It's, it's you know, there's no other way to put it for St. John's. It's the third time this season now that you've had a chance to, to pick up a big win uh, on the road and a quad one win. And again, you come up short. And it's frustrating, and, and, you know, they've got to turn this thing around fast. Because, like I said, look at the schedule upcoming. Even the the most positive of positive fan cannot tell me that they're confident that we're, you know, going 3-1 and one at Creighton against Seton Hall twice and then, against, and then at Villanova. It's going to be tough to get wins in that stretch. Got to take care of business against Georgetown. Have to. And then see where you go from there. Get back out to 500 and see where because this could spiral out of control again for St. John's. But season's not over. But like I said, until I see them finish one of these games, I'm just not going to be confident. You know, right now they look a lot more like a team that's closer to the bottom half of this conference than the top. You know, going into the year, we thought that they were going to be a top three, top four team in the conference. I think I probably thought they would be fourth. I don't remember. I did it on a podcast. I don't remember exactly what I said. I think I said fourth, third maybe. Do they look like the third best team in the conference right now or the fourth best team in the conference right now? Do they look closer to Villanova or closer to DePaul? They look closer to DePaul right now. They look like they're in that class with DePaul and Georgetown and Butler, which is where it's been for the last decade pretty much. Got to figure it out. Got it. This is a make or break year. Got to figure it out. You know, and it comes with the production. Like I said, Champagne's got to get some help. But those are my those are my thoughts. Uh, let's get to Kevin Connolly now. He's going to come on. We're going to talk uh, the the gr- gruesome loss, and uh, he was there, so we'll get his thoughts on being at a uh, gamble tonight. And uh, yeah, we'll get to that right now. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'm now joined by Kevin Connolly. We all know he covers the Red Storm, Storm the Paint. He was at the game tonight. Kevin, how you doing? You know, it's a little deflating, I think. I think just the way the final five seconds, ten seconds of regulation played out, uh, I think everyone's just a little deflated. I think that's – that's. If, if you had one word to describe this game, I think that would be a really 
really good word to use, def- deflated. Because you're right. I mean, you know, we were just talking the whole game. I don't think any of us really thought they were going to win this game, right? We, you know, we all kind of went in with tempered expectations, and to come that close to stealing it and you know end up getting nothing out of it, it, it sucks. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, you're playing UConn, a really good team, a, a top twenty team, probably, mm-hmm. um, definitely probably top thirty mm-hmm. on the road and their place. Um, and yeah, I think coming off of Saturday in a game that um, they probably could have had two. I mean, you're up seven in the second half, and yeah. that kind of lets the air out of the balloon more in terms of the fan base. And then everyone was kind of just going into this game, be like, all right, it's a tough game, kind of chalk it up as a loss and go from there but um and it felt like that the entire game we were talking mm-hmm. about it it yeah. felt like it felt like we we were in we were just waiting for that 8 to 15 point loss mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then things turn and then they turned again mm-hmm. and it ju- it just it just leaves you just leaves you with like a deflating feeling it's yeah. not like you're upset or you're mad it's just like it's it's just like you're ugh, not again mm-hmm. yeah exactly and, and i mean if you look at the box score for st johns you know it, like if you would have looked at the st johns box score and then looked at the you know part of the UConn box score, I would say, you would have thought this was probably you know a 15 to 20 point loss. When you look at the scoring output for St. John's, Champagny had the 27, Wheeler had 13, and then it really feels like they got nothing out of Wusu, Alexander, Mathis, the bench. It just felt like it was really like a one and a half man show for them tonight. So I think that makes it even more frustrating. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, I thought Wheeler played really well. He hit that one big shot that mm-hmm. brought them within two, I think. I mean, Champagny, what more can you say about him? I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, if, if, if you really want to dig into it, I mean, St. John's has really wasted a 32-point performance yep. from him at Indiana, a 24-point perform- performance against Kansas, although that kind of only really came in like that six to eight-minute stretch in the second half where mm-hmm. they really made a charge at Kansas. Mm-hmm. And then they, they wasted a 27 uh point performance from him tonight when it looked like he had the game winner um with four seconds left mm-hmm. yeah and I, and I think that's what's again killing as well is is that they're getting these insane performances from Champagny but it just feels like they're not getting enough other guys to step up and I feel like that was the story of this game you know Champagny was obviously fantastic uh you know hit the big shot at the end there like you mentioned Wheeler was really good in this game as well but is there anyone else on this team you know outside of those two that you thought had a even a decent game tonight I thought Soriano was good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, like, decent, but, like, not scoring-wise. I mean, he picks up, uh, like, like, a foul here, a foul there, um, and then he's on the bench, and then, lo and behold, he, he's fouled out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. scoring-wise, no. I mean, I mean, Posh really struggled. Dylan really struggled. Uh, Mathis really struggled. And then, I mean, Stanley's not going to give you much offensively. Mm-hmm. Pinzone's still out. Coburn didn't play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it kind of just felt like it was... I mean, you get a couple nice possessions on one end, and then you'd have a couple fumbled away. It, it always felt like UConn had them at, at arm's length. Like, yeah. it was 5, 8, 10. I think it got as high as 11. Mm-hmm. And then they'd get it back down to 6 or 7. And then all of a sudden, Wheeler hits a couple threes, and Champagny hits a couple threes, and they have a one-point lead. And you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> and there's 4.8 left. And then, um, I mean, that, that tip pass, the, the there's so much to break down on that tip pass. Mm-hmm. Um on the inbounds with 4.8 left. I mean, I mean, you point, you, you, every, anytime you talk to any type of coach, you're never going to say, well, it never comes down to one play. I mean, if that ball doesn't bounce to the sideline or doesn't get tipped to the sideline, if it gets tipped anywhere else on the court, St. John's wins because they can either corral it for a steal or time will run out because there was three, three plus seconds left. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, that it's it's just brutal that uh, because again we were talking about it that full court pass. The reason why it was a full court pass was because UConn couldn't get the ball in. St. John's had great initial defense mm-hmm. um, for everybody in the backcourt. And they had to throw the home run ball to try and get it to Cole, who, who was uh, about halfway between half court and the baseline on the other end. And Wusu tips it out of bounds, and UConn gets gets a new life. And uh, so now go with the foul, sends it to overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I will say I do feel like the I know they gave up eighty six points, um, seventy one in regulation. I, I did feel like the defensive intensity at points was there tonight. Like you saw kind of glimpses of maybe what this team looked like two years ago, you know, or a year ago, you know, in terms of forcing turnovers, active hands on the defensive end. Were you noticing that as well? I just, I feel like there was a point in this game where they did have some decent defensive intensity. No, I, I definitely think they do. I think, I mean, again, you, you don't, uh, I know that I know this fan base, you read the hashtag and, and everyone's fed up with moral victories. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say this was a moral victory, but like, they did play really well, I thought, yeah. in stretches. And I thought there was more of positive play for longer stretches. Again, like, this was on the road. This was against uh, a projected one of the top teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's not a it, – again, I can't call it a good loss because, I mean, everyone's yeah. fed up with, with yeah. these moral victories and good losses. But, yeah, I did think that they played a, a lot better um, tonight than, than they have – basically before the COVID pause and mm-hmm. even against DePaul and against uh, against Providence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What did you think of the offensive, maybe I'm giving them too much credit here, the offensive game plan uh, that St. John's had tonight? It feels like they attacked the basket, yes, but it feels like they kind of attacked the basket with you know, a little bit of recklessness, I guess. Obviously, they had the, what, 14 shots blocked in this game. Uh, how many more were altered or were tough shots? Again, they weren't able to really finish at the rim very much. Wusu, um, I think, was probably the biggest culprit of that, but even Posh had a lot of that as well. Um, the game plan of, you know, not really, you know, kind of letting Sonogo and Whaley kind of sit in the paint and just block shots left and right. What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I mean, you, you look at it, it felt like anytime St. John's got the ball in the paint, it was either a block shot, a missed layup, or a charge. Mm-hmm. That, that that was kind of your only three results. <laughs> yep. uh, and then I, I I did I mean people will say that they didn't really change change their game plan. I, I did notice their game plan changed a little bit. I mean when Soriano and uh, Wheeler were in, they were really playing five on four on the offensive end because they were trying to get. Um, Sonogo out of the paint to create those driving lanes but I mean in college there's no defensive three seconds like there is in the NBA so I mean Sonogo was just letting Soriano sit in the corner or mm-hmm. letting Stanley sit in the corner or um, mid baseline where he's been able to show that he can hit those mid baseline shots mm-hmm. but um, oh man they just turned the lights out here at, Gam- at uh, Gamble well, that's kind of <laughs> cool um, but yeah they, they, St. John they, they tried to change it up where they were trying to get Sonogo out of the paint specifically in that second half but he just wasn't leaving and they mm-hmm. were still driving and they, they were they were driving into a brick wall mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about Sonogo as well uh, 26 and 18 for him he had the six blocks well I mean again it's I think you tweeted about this as well you know Jackson Davis and McCormick and uh, and uh, Watson have dominated this team and it's another talented big that St. John's faces and another talented big that just absolutely dominates them I mean what were you seeing out of Sonogo tonight I mean that that, that was it he was living in the paint I mean I think it, it he does get a couple of um, like big the bigs get a couple of easy baskets. I mean, teams are going to break the the press, break the pressure, and then 
I mean, you'll have a two-on-one. It's an easy lob mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At, at the rim for, for an easy two points. But, um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what more to say that the, these big men just keep dominating St. John's. And, again, I thought Soriano played well. Yeah, that's uh, the crazy but, thing. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that, yeah, that's the wild part. Like, I thought Soriano played well. I thought, for the most part, St. John's did a really good job at preventing um, – uh, post passes. I thought mm-hmm. Soriano and, and Stanley especially did a really good job at fronting mm-hmm. uh, at fronting um, uh, Sonogo. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, I mean, he'd be there and, and on a putback, he'd be there for, for the follow. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know if that's just lack of boxing out, lack of um, positioning mm-hmm. uh, on the glass. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a problem. And, I mean, I mean, um, Ike Obiagu's coming down the pike for, yep. for Seton Hall. Now I know he's not as dominant as a big as these other four. But um, you're still going to play Watson again. You're still going to play Sonogo again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at other teams. Colt Brenner, mm-hmm. I mean, he's 7'1", 7'2". Mm-hmm. Um, coming up for Creighton in a, in a, a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I know um, uh, Igoife, I think I pronounced that wrong. But for Georgetown, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think he was – I think he's been out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know his status, but he's coming to the Another garden one. on Sunday. So, mm-hmm. so yes, I mean St. John's has they they have their work cut out. The, mm-hmm. the big, big East, the Big East, pardon my pun, but the Big East is a big conference. There's a lot of talented bigs, and uh, St. John's has their work cut out for them, trying to trying to slow them down for the rest of the season. Definitely, definitely. Uh, one more note on this game, and then I want to go kind of big picture. Uh, the officiating, St. John's had the 26 fouls called on them as opposed to just 13 on UConn. Um, Sonogo only had two personal fouls. St. John's had three guys foul out. Soriano, Wusu, and Wheeler all fouled out uh, in this one. It, it, I mean, we're going to be biased, of course. We're St. John's fans. We, you know, we cover the team. It, it did feel like the officiating was was pretty one-sided. Some of the charge calls were really, really bad. Um, you know, give me your thoughts on the officiating. I. I don't think it cost them the game, but it, it didn't help, right? Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it cost them the game. Uh, I mean, there were two fouls called on UConn in the final sixteen and a half minutes. That yeah. includes overtime, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was after UConn had. It felt like they had four fouls on one in like one possession mm-hmm. um, in the first four minutes of the second half, and you're kind of like, oh, Whistle might be going St. John's way here in the second half, and then it absolutely vanished. And, and St. John's it just felt like they were getting. Uh, maybe not as much as against Providence, where it felt like every time down the floor there was a whistle on St. John's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it, the, the whistle definitely was one-sided um, over the final, again, 16 and a half minutes, including um, overtime. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, t- it's tough to say the officiating cost them this game. But a couple of the charges, I think, um, there are a couple on Mathis, a couple mm-hmm. on Posh, and, and maybe one on uh, uh, Busu mm-hmm. that I, I really thought that weren't weren't good um especially i think that one in overtime where they got yeah. punched with a push off on, on, the off, on the off end which would have given st john's a bucket a much needed bucket mm-hmm. at, at that time mm-hmm. uh, i didn't like that call mm-hmm. but um yeah these these past two games the whistle hasn't been kind to st john's mm-hmm. that one on posh uh, i said it in the open that that changed the game again it didn't cost them but it changed the game because I, I i believe that would have tied the game up uh uconn gets the ball and they they score to go up four and then from there it was it was over obviously that one on Posh really in overtime was was not a good call at all, and it, I think it really really changed the uh, the outcome of the game for sure. Um, let's talk big picture now. I mean, like, what's the vibe around this team? What's the expectations in your opinion? I mean, obviously we all came into the season, we all thought they were gonna gonna be a tournament team. The more and more I see this, I mean, they have opportunities. I know that, 
but I'm starting to just feel like it's going to be really, really tough for them to get to 11, 12 wins in this conference when every game is going to be like UConn or every game is going to be like Providence. There's going to be a lot. You have opportunities, but these are really, really good teams that you have to beat, and they haven't done it yet. Yeah, you ha- I mean, you have the opportunities, um, but now, I mean, you're starting. I mean, granted, there's scheduled for um, 20 games in the conference. I think St. John's, well, counting the three they just played is 19. I don't think the home game against Marquette has been uh, rescheduled yet. Mm-hmm. That, got, that got called off. Um, so just put it at 19 chances in the conference. Three of them are already gone. Mm-hmm. Two of them on the road. I mean, road wins move the needle the most in the net rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, with, with, I'll go back to your initial question when you said uh, the, the, the vibe around the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk to Mike Anderson in the press conference and, and um, like they're upset they lost. But again, they, they think it's a game that they won. They should have won. They, mm-hmm. they felt like they played a lot better. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, they're upset they lost, um, but it, they feel like they played t- t- tonight was a positive, a step in the positive direction. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, the fan base is yeah. going like to hear that. <laughs> they, 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 they've been they've been hearing that um, for, the, for the last, what, 20, 25 years, yeah. maybe, uh-huh. maybe even longer. But um, again, I, people will say there, there's never a must win in January. Sunday against Georgetown's a must win. I well, mean, they, they have they have they have to have the game. I was going to ask you that. I, I I was unsure if you were going to call it a must win, but if you are, yeah. then I will as well. Yeah, you and especially when you look at the schedule coming up after that with Creighton and then the doubleheader against Seton Hall and then against Villanova, you lose that game, it can get ugly real quick, you know. And then we've seen some <laughs> bad starts. And again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's yeah, they got to win that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Sunday's a must win, and I mean, if if you look, if if they show up to Creighton with a performance like tonight, they win that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess I'll take a, a glass half full. I think when, when you look at when you see St. John's fans on Twitter, um, <laughs> it's always like, um, well, if we could go one and two in this stretch, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I think I think the the mood around the program will really start to turn if they're three and one in the next four games, and I think it's doable. I mean, you take care of Georgetown at home. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think they can win against Creighton on the road. I don't think Creighton's that good. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, Omaha's a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. I think that's a game they could win. And then you have your two games in three days against Seton Hall. Split those. Mm-hmm. And then you're three, you're three and one in your next four. Mm-hmm. And then um, I know Villanova's down the stretch. I don't know if they have – I don't have the schedule in front of me. I but, think Villanova's um, after that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'd still um, be four so, and three going into that game, though. Exactly. So mm-hmm. if you can if you can go three and one in your next four, I think the mood around the program changes because you'd have um, a road win, you'd mm-hmm. have a win over what's probably going to be a top twenty team mm-hmm. against Seton Hall, mm-hmm. and um, and then you, you hopefully um, wipe the floor with um, what looks like it's going to be the basement of the conference this year in Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And just to go back to to you know what you said about you know, the vibe of the team, that's great and all. And obviously there's nothing you can do about this. You know, that's great that they feel like they played well and that they feel like this is a step in the right direction. But, you know, when you went into this season, that wasn't the goal for, you know what I mean? Like we shouldn't be talking about, oh, like a tough loss at UConn. Well, we lost, but it was a step in the right direction. Like, no, the goal was to win these games this year. And I think that's where the frustration comes from the fan base is this was supposed to be the year where we pick up this win, you know, where there are no, oh, that was a loss, but it was a good loss and we, we played hard and we battled. Like, I think that's where the, obviously that's where the frustration, when you have these expectations, I think the, you know, losses are just going to build more and more frustration. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, and and I don't know. I think just maybe in, in my opinion, the vibe completely dropped with the Pittsburgh game. Now I know the NCAA tournament committee or whatever said mm-hmm. that um, they're going to take into account uh, 
teams who played without mm-hmm. stars, but I mean, even without Champagny, you have that. to be, yeah, you have mm-hmm. to be Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and and, I, and that's the dreaded quad four loss, and that's probably not going to move because Pittsburgh's probably not going to win that many games in the ACC to to get their net up to to a uh, quad three. Mm-hmm. Um, but but still, I think I think people could have. Uh, survived a little bit i mean you, you had the unimpressive non-conference schedule and your wins were unimpressive against those teams but mm-hmm. i think the, the the pittsburgh this maybe this couldn't have erased that pittsburgh loss but it certainly could have helped mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and and when you lose a game like that to pittsburgh you know when you have that quad four loss in your resume like my thinking is all right now you have to get an extra quad one win to yes. kind of make up for that and as we've seen, you know, they've had, what, four opportunities now. They've missed all four of them. And, you know, in, in three of those games, and maybe even you could say in all four of those games, they've been in the game in the second half. And I think that's where the frustration comes from. Yeah, exactly. That, that's my thinking, too. It's like, all right, you have to go to UConn and win. Or mm-hmm. you have to you have to sweep Seton Hall. You have mm-hmm. to sweep Villanova. Mm-hmm. Something like that to try and erase that quad four boss. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, sweeping those two teams, it's not still easy. on the table. It's not easy. It's still on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I think um, again. I don't want to look too far in advance. I'm looking. I'm already looking all the way all the way to next Saturday mm-hmm. and next next Monday. But like, <laughs> if you if you won the game against Seton Hall uh, on Saturday at the Garden, you, you're carrying a lot of momentum yeah. and you're kind of you're kind of playing with house money when you go to Walsh. Mm-hmm. That's going to be only students and in a wild atmosphere mm-hmm. on on Monday. So I, I, I again, I don't want to look too far in advance. But I mean, we're talking about how do they battle back with that Pittsburgh loss and talking about sweeping some of these top teams in the conferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that that Saturday game against Seton Hall is uh, is important just so you're not in a hole going into Monday. But uh, forget about that for now. Focus on Sunday. And, and Georgetown's a must-win. And mm-hmm. again, like I said, people are going to say uh, uh, there's no must-win games in the middle of January. Mm-hmm. They have to beat Georgetown. I agree. Home floor. Yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Mm-hmm. And it makes me a little bit uneasy when you think about uh, what was it? Two years ago, the the Super Bowl Sunday loss to Georgetown, <laughs> Mullins Mullins' final year, the that loss on that Sunday to Georgetown. They've had some uh, pretty horrible uh, home losses to Georgetown. Even look last year on the road at McDonough, yeah. the overtime <laughs> loss. It's, it's funny. I was talking um, with a couple of people before the game, and and I guess we were just going through the schedule or whatever, just like uh, because I was uh, I'm a little upset. The game's 4:30 on Sunday. I really uh-huh. wanted it to be a, really wanted it to be a new start. So mm-hmm. thanks to the NFL for giving the Eagles and the Bucks the one o'clock slot on Fox but yep. um, somehow we got to talking about that game uh, the Super Bowl Sunday game against Georgetown when LJ and uh, Jamarco Pickett almost got into the brawl at midcourt yeah. so that's, that, that, that's funny you bring that up that's the second time that game's been brought up today and uh, yeah. yes, that, that's just I just wanted to add that. That's funny. You're the second person that brought that game up to me today. Yeah, that's not an easily forgettable game. Yeah, yeah. that's one yeah. that sticks with you. Yeah. All right, Kev, thank you so much for uh, for hanging on here late with me. Uh, you do obviously a phenomenal job, Kevin. You cover the team with Storm the Paint. So uh, follow Storm the Paint on Twitter. Check them out. Uh, Kevin was at Campbell. What was the What was the atmosphere like at Campbell? By the way, before I get you out of it, didn't sound great on on TV. Yeah, you know, I was re- like, it, it, it's a beautiful arena. I was. Really excited coming here, but I don't know if like students are still on break. It didn't have like that pop I was expecting. Yeah, uh-huh. um, and, and, and yeah, I don't know if I chalked that up. I mean, the student section was filled, and and you, you vaguely heard chants because mm-hmm. um, I was like sitting up and across from the student section. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, you vaguely heard some chants, and and I mean, on the Sonogo free throw and an overtime, like there was some juice in the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I thought the atmosphere would be um, 
a, a little better. And I don't know if that has to do with this being a eight thirty tip on a yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know what day it is. What is it? Wednesday. Yeah. On a <laughs> on a on a Wednesday night and and students being on break. Um, but yeah, I did. Uh, it, it was it was fun. It was it was uh, it was a nice road atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I, I thought there'd be a little more pop in the place, a little mm-hmm. more juice. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, Kev, thank you so much, man, for coming on. Get home safe from uh, from Gamble, and we will definitely be talking to you uh, as the season goes on. Troy, appreciate it. Always a blast. All right, have a good one. All right, take care. Bye. All right, one more time. Shout out to Kevin Connolly for coming on. You can follow him on Twitter at Kevin Connolly twenty four. And you can check out Storm the Paint if you haven't already. They do uh, great coverage of the Red Storm. And, of course, Kevin was at the game tonight uh, with Storm the Paint. He's at almost every game, uh, almost every home game at least, and he's been to some road games as well, went to Providence, uh, is going to be at at Seton Hall, going to be at Villanova. So definitely follow Storm the Paint and follow Kevin uh, for some great St. John's coverage. Um, To put a bow on this game, again, Frustrating, sure, as Kevin said, deflating for sure. Uh, a game that St. John's really had no business winning. And then you look up in the final minute and they are winning this game or in the final seconds and they are winning this game. Um, always hurts a lot more to lose those type of games when you know you feel like you didn't really have much of a chance and then they prove you wrong. Um, as Kevin mentioned in the post game, see, team maybe sounds kind of uh, encouraged with how they played in this game, with how they fought in this game. Uh, when they really didn't get great performances out of anyone but Champagny. Uh, so we'll see if they're able to carry it over. But, yeah, Kevin said it. I said it as well. Have to win against Georgetown uh, on Sunday. If you do lose that game, uh, I think this can really kind of spiral out of control. So got to get that win against Georgetown, and uh, and you'll see where you go from there. And then, obviously, you know, you play a tough game against Creighton next week on the road, but we'll see about that. But it, it starts on Sunday against Georgetown. You absolutely have to win that game uh, if you're going to do anything this season, I think. That's that's one that if they lose that game, I will accept the, the season's over talk. I'll accept it if they lose against Georgetown because that would be a major, major problem with the uh, with the schedule coming up. But listen, they say that they're, they're feeling good about themselves. We'll see if they actually prove it over the next couple of games because right now, uh, like I said, this looks like a team that's more a bottom half of the conference team than a top half of the conference team, which is very, very disappointing, of course, for everyone uh, with the expectations that we had going into the season. But tough loss for sure. Thank you, everyone, for uh, for checking this out. Uh, misery loves company, right? We can all be miserable together. Uh, and we will be back next week, hopefully with a happy recap against Creighton. Hopefully we're coming back next week uh, after a second straight win. I definitely won't be doing anything on Sunday. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm a big Cowboys fan, and they happen to play the exact same time It's as uh, St. John's, which is just very, very fun for me and my blood pressure to be watching a Cowboys playoff game and a must-win St. John's game at the exact same time. Uh, so I will be home watching both, but I probably won't be able to do any sort of a podcast or anything with the, with the St. John's game. So I'll be back next Wednesday when they face off against Creighton. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this. And as always... Let's go, Johnny's.